Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, only in that Lord are we going to find in this holy case of Lent that sense of great healing to our hurts, a deep sense of hope in all of our despair, and ultimately of great joy that we can only find in Jesus overcoming our trials. And so I just pray that Jesus will continue to bless you in these holy days. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In his letter to the city of Philippi, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Then, just to make sure we get it, he repeats himself, rejoice. He encourages us to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. We can exercise trust and total dependence on Him. Praise, worship, and conversation with God are not designed to change Him. They are designed to change us. It is in the heart of that praise that we discover that nothing is impossible with God and that life in the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. This peace is our witness to a war-torn, bloody, fatigued, and depressed world. This peace is our birthright once we completely belong to Him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 27th. Today we celebrate Saint Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Brushes with serious illness, as well as the early death of his mother and his favorite sister, prompted today's saint to believe that he was called to religious life. He entered the Passionist Novitiate in 1856, taking the name Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Ever popular and cheerful, Gabriel sought to be faithful in little things. His spirit of prayer, love for the poor, consideration for the feelings of others, and his personal penances impressed everyone. As he prepared for the priesthood, Gabriel's superiors had great expectations, but after only four years of religious life, he developed tuberculosis. He patiently and quietly bore the painful effects of the disease and the restrictions it required. Gabriel died in 1862 at age 24. The parallels between his life and that of St. Therese, the little flower, are compelling. Both died of tuberculosis at 24, emphasized that sanctity lies in small acts of kindness, and were known for their cheerfulness. But there was one key difference. Therese left behind her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. Shortly before he died, Gabriel discarded notes he had been keeping on his spiritual life. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. After the dilapidated old St. Peter's Basilica built by Constantine was torn down, Pope Julius II laid the cornerstone for a new structure that we see today. Pope Julius had different plans for St. Peter's. The centerpiece was not to be the main altar set over the tomb of St. Peter, but rather his own tomb. He commissioned Michelangelo to carve 40 life-size Old Testament figures to adorn his grandiose tomb. Michelangelo had only finished Moses when the Pope changed his mind, telling the artist to paint the Sistine Chapel instead. Today, instead of the most ornate of tombs, Julius II has the most humble of tombs. He's buried in the floor of St. Peter's along with his uncle Sixtus IV, with simple brass letters marking the spot. What's more, you will likely never see the tomb, because it is covered by stacks of chairs stored for papal masses. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. 
Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I am Brandon Clark, one of your host, hosts this morning, joined by... Steve Splonskowski. Steve, and uh, we just finished up a really great hour, so if you missed any of the show, please be sure to check out the podcast, which will be up hopefully later today. Um, had a gospel roundtable discussion, and then we just visited with Cy Kellett. A lot to chew on and, and be able to process. So just visit realpresenceradio.com or look it up on the app. You can find the podcast there. Also, just want to give a quick shout-out to Don in Callaway, Minnesota. He always comes up to me after Mass when he hears that, uh, Steve, you and I are going to be hosting. Mm. So he uh, says he'll be listening. So hello, good morning, Don. I hope you're having a wonderful day. All right, up next we have Jason Adkins, who is the Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, keeping us up to date each week about the things that are happening in the legislative sessions. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. I, I, the lead-in to the show was inspiring and uplifting stories. I'm not sure I quite have that today, but I will be able to give a good update about what's going on at the Minnesota Capitol. Absolutely. Well, I think informative is also another mission of Real Presence Live, knowing what's going on in our local area. So you're a very valuable asset on that front. Uh, let's just begin with this. Today is caucus day in Minnesota, Jason. Oh, we might have lost him. Are you there, Jason? All right. Uh, well, we'll just go ahead and try to get him back on the line as we go. Um, so, yes, so caucus day in Minnesota, there are opportunities to get out and uh, attend your local precinct caucus. Uh, to do that, you can visit MN Catholic. That's M as in Mayor, N as in Nancy Catholic dot com slash caucus, C-A-U-C-U-S. So mncatholic.com slash caucus. And uh, again, that is happening today. Encourage you wherever you're at in Minnesota listening, please get out and support your local caucus. Because, Steve, we could talk a little bit about this. There is a responsibility in making sure we understand as Catholics what's happening in our legislature. Yeah, I mean, it's important. We're, we're called to really faithful stewardship. Um, and as you know, Jason mentioned, I don't have any good news. Well, the good news is that we are aware and we are fighting back really against kind of a, 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 a culture that is is really anti-human yeah <laughs> we're like the, and i really think it's interesting brennan how really who hates humans more than anyone else satan satan. Yeah. satan the very beginning i will not serve we know from scripture that the reason satan turned is because he found out that the lord god was going to come down and assume humanity and that humans would then become adopted children of the Father, and therefore he would be serving human beings, and he says, I will not serve. Right. Well, Can you gentlemen hear me? I'm back. <clears throat> yep, Jason, yeah. we, were just, we were just talking kind of about the, how it's so important that you're out there. You would mentioned when you came on you know, about how really you didn't have any good news, but we're talking about how the good news is is that we are called, we're called to respond to what's going on in, in our world. We're called to be engaged. And, that, and that, that, that's exciting that we're being given the grace to engage in this work of, of bringing the gospel message to the world through, even through politics, even through our engagement um, with, with a very difficult, uh, sometimes very difficult conversations, Jason. 
Well, that's right, and certainly I wouldn't say there's no good news, but uh, I was just noting that it's not necessarily uplifting, but we have to be realistic about what the news is and what the reality of the challenges is. Challenges are in front of us if we're going to work to provide real gospel-based solutions. And so that's why I'm uh, delighted to be able to chat about what's going on with you both today. So let's talk about Caucus Day before we got interrupted. We mentioned that today is the Caucus Day in Minnesota. Talk a little bit about that. So we have precinct caucuses uh, today in Minnesota, and uh, it's an opportunity, if you don't like the the two-party system or the candidates you're offered or with the party platforms, to get involved. And so you can show up at your precinct caucus, and we have uh, information on our website at mncatholic.org about the first steps in doing that. There are caucus resolutions that you can bring to help shape party platforms. In some instances, there will be straw polls, picking candidates, uh, starting the nominations process, the precinct caucuses are the kind of the first organizing step in a political party and its campaigns for that year. We are in election season, so just a great opportunity to get engaged and uh, be a part of the process. We can either complain about the problem or be a part of the solution. Amen to that. Again, that website is mncatholic.org slash caucus, mncatholic.org slash caucus. I said .com earlier, but just clarify that that's .org. Uh, let's move on, Jason. There's a bill we're watching in the House Finance and Policy Committee regarding the sale of human remains for commercial purposes. Obviously very opposed to this, but where does this stand right now? Well, one of the things that the, one of the value that the church brings to the, to the public square is identifying uh, issues that might not get attention otherwise. There are thousands of bills that get introduced this year, and we have to kind of monitor what's going on on a whole different number of fronts and then bring greater awareness into the public about these issues. And this, this bill banning the sale of commercial human remains or human remains for commercial purposes sounds like a good thing. But then when you start looking at the details, it only bans the sale of human remains in a couple narrow contexts. Like if you were to see a skull at a curiosity shop, it would ban it in that context. But the bill actually clarified that it's legal to sell human remains in a broader variety of contexts associated with educational, scientific, and medical purposes. Now, if you do the digging, you find out that's where the money is, and there's a lot of uh, players out there in the field who want to continue to broker body parts, and there are a lot of entities like research universities who want to buy them. And so that's where the money is. The Reuters News Service did a fascinating study in October 2023 about the body trade. And indeed, the bill that um, uh, is in front of the legislature while banning the sale of human remains in some narrow context would actually clarify that it's legal to do so in a broader variety of others. So we're bringing attention to that discussion, helping people deal. Yeah, well, and this is why we have you on, Jason. <clears throat> I think we might have lost him again, but this is why we have you on, because, you know, Steve, when, when I go through, and, and I don't read a lot of the legislature bills that are, that are being proposed and, and working their way through, but a lot of people are not going to pick up on those things. They'll see like a headline, but they won't read deep enough to see what is actually going on. And so it seems like, yeah, no duh. Like, but then when you read deeper, then you find out what Jason was just saying. And Brandon, that is such a problem with our age right now, right? Is that we're such a, a kind of a soundbite or, or, or lead headline age that we read that and, and we even see that in articles today where there'd be a headline and then you read the article it has nothing to do with the headline. And so really in a certain sense, there's, there's, a, there's a real manipulation going on here in that, that it, this looks good from the outset and there's a sense that people will, won't read through this anyway. And so we can kind of give them a carrot over here as long as we can get 
the entire you know pie on this side and so yeah it's it's great that we have the catholic conferences checking and watching these and this has been going on for years where the catholic conference really reads through a lot of these these you know legislative actions and and really says hold on hold on hold the phone here guys there's something in here that we can be careful of as catholics we can't go along with this yeah another thing that we wanted to talk about was jason hopefully we can get him back on here but uh I, I think we can talk a little bit about this is the legalization of sports gambling so it's something that's working its way through the minnesota legislature now the minnesota catholic conference actually opposes this and this is something i'm a i'm a sports i wouldn't say fanatic but i do enjoy sports and keeping up with sports because I, I enjoyed playing when i was younger and, and watching um growing up but what i've seen as i as i've continued to watch sports is just this idea of of making it more commercial so you know changing the the names of the stadiums and, and where people play to be like petco park right in in san diego where the san diego padres play baseball uh, but then now now we're getting more into this gambling right we if you if you ever listen to a jason are you back with us I'm back. We'll try it again. <laughs> yes, no, no problem. We'll we'll extend out just a couple minutes here. Uh, what I was talking about as we were um, continuing on is this legalization of sports gambling, and and what I was beginning to say was just that it seems like there's been a change over the past couple of years in the landscape of sports, where you listen to talk radio now, and it's always including the over under and the Vegas odds, and you know you you hear in breaks all, all of these opportunities to put forward your bets to see who's going to win the games. Like, what's going on with this world right now? I know the Minnesota Catholic Conference is against this. Can you just dive into that a little bit? Well, like the last discussion we were having about human remains, follow the money. Uh, the sports betting industry is incredibly predatory uh, practice that preys on, uh, you know, our weaknesses, addictions, fascinations with sports. It's like a perfect cocktail. Essentially, they want to turn every sports stadium uh, into a casino, and they want to turn every phone, cell phone into a casino as well, and a betting mechanism. So this is extremely predatory. Uh, you know, the, the way they have algorithms and everything else set up to say it's hard to beat the house for so much data that's driven into these things, but really especially a challenge for young men, uh, their fascination with sports, uh, the, the addictive quality of sports betting. You start losing, and it just increases the losses. It was a really sad skit, but it hit it right home on Saturday Night Live this past weekend. Uh, about betting on, uh, you know, what desperate steps your friend might take after he's lost a bunch of money in sports betting. It was like rock bottom kings is a riff on draft kings. Um, and, and sadly, it was uh, a part of the truth. And so we're seeing really a challenge with young men uh, today, especially with sports gambling and, and the way in which that leads to financial ruin, fragment families, leads to substance abuse disorder. We're seeing people and businesses stealing to pay off gambling debt. So we really think it's going to impact uh, folks, the poor and vulnerable, uh, folks with addictive disorders, but really change the landscape of sports and people realize they're competing for entertainment dollars and to make the sports product on the field, which often seems less and less exciting, more interesting, they've got to infuse the whole sports dynamic with gambling. And uh, a really sad thing, and it's, it's a, you know, we might be called the bingo church, but this is different in degree, uh, not just different in uh, different in kind, not just different in degree. So really, really troubling. We're trying to bring more attention to that and the awareness of uh, the way in which the state is going to suffer the consequences but not receive any, even any of the tax benefits of the gambling industry. 
Yeah, those are crazy things that one doesn't always think about, but they certainly are realities. And yeah, there, there might be people out there who are like, you know, I just like to gamble or bet here a little bit, right? Uh, that's, that's okay, right? Uh, but it's when we get into those more dire circumstances, when it completely takes control of your life and becomes addictive and you become obsessive about these things. Like, these are the things that we want to prevent. And by having that legalization, Jason, it makes it harder to do that, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's just like social media. It plays on, you know, certain responses in the brain. Uh, it's addictive. And, you know, law shapes culture. Uh, law has a pedagogical function. When we think something's legal, we think it's okay. Um, it normalizes a particular behavior and activity and makes it more accessible. And again, think of the, the problem of putting a casino in everyone's pocket uh, or a sports book in everyone's pocket with our cell phones. Uh, turning sports venues into casinos, much like racetracks are today. So we really need to think about the social consequences. How does this impact the common good? You might be able to handle the occasional sports bet. You might find it fun. You might find it interesting. But can everyone else do that? So are we maximizing the uh, desires and happiness of a few at the cost to the greater good and the common good in our state? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Mm. Uh, really quick here, about 15 seconds. Where can our Minnesotans listening, or anybody listening, rather, go to keep an eye on the things that are progressing through the legislature? Well, our website, mncatholic.org, again, mncatholic.org. Sign up for the Catholic Advocacy Network, where you can stay up to date on what's going on at the Capitol, and with a click of the mouse, uh, connect to your legislator and share with him his or her your perspective on important public policy questions. So, again, that's mncatholic.org. We encourage people to sign up for the Catholic Advocacy Network and follow us on social media as well. Jason, as always, pleasure visiting with you this morning. Thanks so much. God bless your day. All right, when we return on Real Presence Live, we're heading to South Dakota for an update on three important bills South Dakota Catholic Conference is watching, including protecting minors from porn, that's an important one, helping low-income families pay for private education, and making sure the state doesn't support obscene events. Boy, we'll dive into all of those when Real Presence Live continues. Details right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In his letter to the city of Philippi, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Then, just to make sure we get it, he repeats himself, rejoice. He encourages us to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. We can exercise trust and total dependence on Him. Praise, worship, and conversation with God are not designed to change Him. They are designed to change us. It is in the heart of that praise that we discover that nothing is impossible with God and that life in the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. This peace is our witness to a war-torn, bloody, fatigued, and depressed world. This peace is our birthright once we completely belong to Him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Hello, this is Bishop Andrew Cousins with the Diocese of Crookston. This Lent, I want to challenge you to go to the Sacrament of Confession. It's the most concrete way you can live out our Lord's call to conversion and experience the joy of being made new. Maybe you could even go twice to confession this Lent. 
When we go to confession, we get to experience the great humility and grace which comes to us through this sacrament. Have a blessed Lent. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. We continue now as we visit with Michael Pauley, Executive Director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Uh, Michael, good morning. Thanks for being on with us. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Steve. So we just finished up a conversation with your counterpart in Minnesota, Jason Adkins of, of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Now we want to find out what's happening in South Dakota. One of the big ones we're watching, which actually is, as we've been watching this, there's a lot of hope for this. It's a bill that would require websites containing uh, material harmful to minors to implement reliable and accurate age verification procedures. Basically, that would include pornography, helping protect our, our minors from pornography. Uh, where does that stand? Because it looks like things are, are progressing along pretty well. Yeah, well, it, it has uh, made some great progress. So this is House Bill 1257, and as you said, what it would require is that websites containing material harmful to minors, and that's an actual term that's defined in our statutes, and basically it means obscenity. Um, and it would require those websites to implement an accurate and reliable age verification system to ensure that no minor, uh, either intentionally or inadvertently, you know, stumbles uh, onto that website. Uh, this is something that our modern technology allows. There's websites that are selling other things like, you know, alcohol and tobacco that have to do similar uh, age verification procedures. So we have the technology to do this. Um, and now uh, many states have moved. There's actually been eight states so far uh, that have implemented uh, this type of law, and we're hoping that South Dakota will be the next one. So uh, the, the bill passed the House by a huge margin, 62 to 6, with bipartisan support. Um, that's encouraging, but we're, we don't want to get overconfident on this, because let me tell you, Hollywood is against this bill. We received mm -hmm. testimony uh, from the Motion Picture Association of America, and, uh, and another group associated with them, um, you know, and, and they're, they're opposing the bill. So, you know, we, we can't uh, lull ourselves into a sense of complacency. Uh, uh, pornography is a, you know, huge, you know, just multi-billion dollar uh, industry. And so I am anticipating we're going to get some pushback when this bill goes before the Senate Judiciary Committee this week, Thursday morning, February 29th, this bill goes before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So for our listeners in South Dakota, um, you know, we'll be sending out an action alert on this to our Catholic conference list, but we need people to contact the Senate Judiciary Committee members and urge them to support House Bill 1257. Any sense on whether Governor Nome is, is willing to sign this one if it passes? Well, I... I, I believe she will. Yeah, I, okay. I think that it's it's something that many other um, you know uh, governors in other states uh, who have a you know I guess I would say a similar worldview to Governor Nome have uh, uh, 
have been supporting this. So, so yeah, I'm reasonably confident that uh, she will support this. But first, we got to get it uh, out of the Senate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So another one that is actually it could take the Senate floor today. I don't, I don't know if you have any update on that, but it's going to be House Bill 1178. This is an interesting one because it's going after obscenity as well, but in a different sort of way. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, so House Bill 1178, what it does is it bans the use of any public monies or public uh, facilities for obscene live conduct at any of the uh, institutions of higher learning in our state that are controlled by the Board of Regents. And this bill kind of emerged from a controversy that erupted um, uh, a year or two ago with a, a, a performance at South Dakota State University that many people felt was uh, offensive uh, and, and full of obscene content. And so um, this bill would just basically say that you, know, you can't use any state resources for obscene live conduct. Uh, that bill did, it's already passed the House, passed the House by a vote of 59 to 8. Um, it passed the Senate State Affairs Committee uh, last Friday, just this past Friday, by a vote of 7 to 1. Um, and now it's on the floor of the Senate today. And I'm, uh, I'm reasonably confident that we've uh, got the votes to pass this. I think that's important. A third bill you're keeping an eye on is Senate Bill 72. Now, this involves uh, education specifically for lower-income families. Why this one? Why are, you, why are you keeping an eye on this one? Yeah, well, the Catholic Conference has long supported the, it's called the South Dakota Partners in Education Program. And, and what it does is it allows, it, it, the state sets a tax credit where insurance companies who owe taxes to the state, uh, if they want, they can make a voluntary donation to what's called a scholarship granting organization. Um, and then they get a tax credit, a write-off basically on the taxes they owe to the state, equivalent to the amount that they give to the scholarship granting organization. Up, oh, I think we might have lost him, but we'll go ahead and get him on. Uh, again, these are just uh, important things to keep an eye on. You know, when we think about protecting our minors, when we think about uh, preventing obscene events and materials from making its way through, you know, to be funded by state money, for one, but then at state facilities. Uh, and then, of course, keeping an eye out for our low-income families. <laughs> I just keep getting drawn back to the talk last night, Steve, where, you know, we were talking, Cy Kellett was talking about, like, this is what Jesus does. He cares for the migrant. He cares for the low income. He cares for our children. He and he doesn't care what people think. Right. No. And he really he really takes the risk at his own his own reputation to really be with the the sinner. Um, and, and people are really uh, scandalized by the fact that he's willing to be with sinners. But as we know, you know that we talk about how Sai even mentioned this last night. How heaven rejoices over one repentant sinner. And he mentioned, well, how can heaven rejoice? It's already complete happiness. How can heaven rejoice? But Jesus in his humanity rejoices when any sinner turns back to him. So we have to, in many ways, the challenge for us in the church is we have to go where the sinners are at because they're not coming to us all the time. Now, some of them are, and that's great, but we really have to go to where they're at um, so that we can serve them, we can reach them, and they can have that encounter. And I really, you know, Brian, last night, uh, Sai had those, those four points about encounter, conversion, communion, and mission. Mm-hmm. Encounter, conversion, communion, and mission. And I, I really, I, I, different words stuck in my head when he said, you know, encounter is that sense that a lot of people say, have you encountered Christ? 
um, well, if we haven't encountered Christ, it's not because he's not trying to reach us. Right. It's because we haven't responded. Right. And, and Cy made this great point this morning. Where he, we were kind of talking off air, but I really was really struck by where he said, you know, very often in our faith, we just kind of want to stick in that encounter. We just want to have an encounter and then another encounter and another encounter because the encounter is so exciting. The next step, re- conversion, that requires a response and a change of heart. And that's a little more painful. So let's just stick with encounter. Let's just encounter Jesus. Let's just keep encountering um, and not convert. Let's not convert our heart, allow him to convert our hearts. Um, and we have to, if we don't take that next step, the encounter has, the bears no fruit. Right, and so it requires, that next step requires action. And so as we put that into context with what we're talking about here, like a lot of people listening have had this encounter with Jesus, right? Yep. We know what he teaches. And we know why he teaches it to, to a degree. Okay, so now the, the next step is, if we know what he teaches, we know why he teaches it, then we need to take action for the things that are like that coincide with his teaching but then speak out against the things that are against what he would teach even at a legislative level i know i know it's tough to want to get to involved in in politics right i i'm the first one to admit i don't like politics but i recognize the importance of making sure that our voice is heard and that as a catholic then i can stand up for what's right yeah, it is a challenge. And some of those, those difficult areas, we just kind of want to walk away from. So I just don't want to think about it. Let them deal with it. And, and it is true that there are, there are many people who are really drawn to that, that part of evangelization. And that's great. They're skilled, um, they're talented, and they're gifted in that, you know, by the Lord, given charisms to deal with that work. So it's, that's why we have these conversations. Because not, a lot of us don't have time to know everything that's going on. We have to right. rely on our trusted sources. Um, but we do need to be informed. Michael, I think we got you back here. Uh, you were talking just briefly about Senate Bill 72. I apologize, we only have about 30 seconds, but any things that you want to say about that quick? Sure, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know how the call got dropped there, but, uh, but yeah, just uh, if your listeners could say a prayer for the success of Senate Bill 72. It's a very important bill for Catholic education, and hopefully we can get it out of committee this morning. All right, and if people want to stay attuned to what's happening in the South Dakota Catholic Conference and this legislative session, which I should uh, remind listeners is actually quickly coming to an end, where should they go? Yeah, please visit our website at SD, as in South Dakota, sdcatholicconference.org, and you'll see right on the homepage a little uh, feature on the 2024 legislative session, and that has information on all the bills that we're working on. Excellent. Michael, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Still ahead on Real Presence Live, it's a word that can be, let's just say, associated with some negative feelings. Uh, It it might not be seen as a good thing, maybe even like, who cares? What's the point? We're going to talk about diocesan synod. But here's the thing. We're going to clear the air and talk about how in the right approach with the right setup, this can be a great gift to us as Catholics. So we're going to have that new take as we visit with Bishop John Folda of the Diocese of Fargo when we continue on Real Presence Live. Please don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.